they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. I'm still smiling, honey. Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, Friday of October here, the 23rd of October. Dedicated to the Rosary, the month of October, right? The month of October is dedicated to the Rosary, that's right. So Biblical prayer? That's right. We want to uh, look at today's gospel. I also want to look at today's first reading in the psalm. Um, so the gospel today is from Luke 12, 54 through 59. And Jesus said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say that it is going to rain, and, also, and so it does. And when you notice that the wind is blowing from the south, you say, it's going to be hot, and so it is. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. Why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Why do you not judge for yourself what is right? If you are to go with your opponent before the magistrate, make an effort to settle the matter on the way. Otherwise, your opponent will turn you over to the judge and the judge will hand you over to the constable and the constable will throw you in prison. I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I, you know, I, th- I find it interesting here. Jesus is telling the, the scribes and the Pharisees and he's telling the crowd, you, you can interpret the, sign, the, the weather and um, that makes you a hypocrite? <laughs> what is Jesus getting at here? Why are the people hypocritical? Well, they can interpret the signs of the, of the weather. They're interpreting you know, the, the, the things they see in the visible world. But they knew the prophecies about the Messiah. They knew what he was going to do. He would heal the sick. He would cure the lepers and the blind and the lame, and he would raise the dead, and he would preach the good news to the poor. And Jesus is doing all these things, and they're like, no, we're not going to accept you as the Messiah. So where does their hypocrisy lie? Their hypocrisy lies in that even though he clearly fulfills all the signs of the Messiah, they are not willing to accept him as their Messiah. They're rejecting him. So they know how to forecast the weather, but even though they know the signs of the Messiah that were given by the prophets, and they're, they're, see, they're seeing it right there before their eyes, and they're saying, nope, not this one. And it's interesting because this, this, this attitude can be, it's not just that time. It's all of us have to ask ourselves, am I ignoring the obvious signs of God? Am I ignoring his obvious will? Has God made his will clear? And I'm just saying, no, I don't want to live that way. Like you and Steve were talking on the last, on on the Terry and Jesse show about feelings. We want to live by our feelings. Well, it doesn't feel good to me to keep the commandments. It doesn't feel good to me to go to mass on Sunday. It doesn't feel good to me to be kind to people who hurt me. It doesn't feel good to me to forgive. So I'm not going to do those things. Whoa. Uh, we're not being any different than those people who rejected the Messiah when he was living among them. And it's interesting because in Gaudium et Spes from the Second Vatican II Council documents, it warns us, those who willfully try to drive God from their heart and to avoid all questions about religion, not following the biddings of their conscience, are not free from blame. So if you're saying, look, don't talk to me about religion, don't talk to me about God, then you're deliberately cutting him out of your, your heart. Now, 
granted, maybe you don't want to talk to certain people because they're, of the way they present it, and it, it, prevents, it presents an emotional disturbance that, that you can't get beyond. Okay, fine. But are you willing to study your faith? Are you willing to study about the faith? Are you willing to ask God for the gift of faith? Are you willing to humble yourself before the Lord and ask him for help? So, And that's what Jesus' listeners were, even though they saw clearly, they were closing their eyes to the light of the gospel. So Jesus is calling them hypocrites because, yeah, you're you you, know, you you're very adept at um, figuring out what's good for you in this world. What about the next world? That's where I was going with this, Mary. That, that was my thought that they know, and, and, and I apply it to us today. Yeah. This is always... We're very knowledgeable. We have PhDs. We have master's degrees. <laughs> no, I'm just saying we're educated in a lot of worldly things. Right. But those same people, including myself, how much time I'm asking am I spending reading my Bible, my catechism, and learning about my relationship with God, which, let's just be honest, you might live 80, 90, 70 years, right? Right. Those who are strong. Right. But uh, your knowledge is gone after that. That's right. But what's going to last forever? your relationship you have with Christ. Exactly. So that's what I got more out of that. I mean, I, I agree with you, but that is to me, a message that hit me was, I need to study my faith. I need to learn my, I got to get a better relationship with Jesus Christ because my soul is what's going to live forever. Right. The things of this world are passing. And, and in the second part of this gospel, Jesus warns you, you know, if, you, if you're on your way before with an opponent before the magistrate, you're going to make an effort to settle with him on the way. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you may end up in jail. Yeah. And it's interesting because granted that, you know, there's the literal historical sense of this. But, but there's also, you know, you, you know, how does this apply to Christ? How does this apply to my moral life? What does this mean about the future? Yeah. And, and Jesus is saying, you'll be thrown in jail and you won't get out till you pay the last penny. It's a veiled reference to purgatory. As you're living this life, repent of your sins and give up your sins now. Mm-hmm. Get rid of your sins and do penance for them so that when you stand before the judge on judgment day, when you stand before Jesus Christ on judgment day, you know, every one of us has a particular judgment on the mom- at the moment of our death. That's true. You know, I'm not just talking, not the end of the world. The end of the world is a general judgment. Yeah. That's when the world will end. But, but right now we have a particular judgment that will come at the moment of our death. And every one of us is going to die. You know, COVID or not, COVID may not get you, may not kill you, but you know what? You're still going to die. Um, I hope you were all sitting down. I, I hate to break the news, but 99.9% of kids under 16 and under will survive COVID. Okay. Yeah. But they will not survive death. No, they death won't will survive come. death. That's my joke. It's a joke. <laughs> but my point to you is we're so worried about COVID. And really what we should be more worried about is our soul. Is our soul. Sin can kill the soul for all eternity. Mortal sin will kill the soul for all eternity if we do not repent. And so we need to repent. We need to settle. We need to go before Jesus and say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please wash me clean and give me the courage and the strength to resist sin in my life. And you know, Mary, I think of what Fulton Sheen said. It wasn't our quote of the Terry and Jesse show, but he said, if souls are saved, everything Everything is is saved. saved. If souls are not saved, Nothing is safe. So your master's degree, your PhD, your house, your car, I think it's just important to dwell on that, not just this moment, but on a regular basis. Yeah, those things that Terry mentioned are all things of this world. What will be eternal is our relationship with God. Amen. And it's interesting because Paul here in the first letter talks about 
Brothers and sisters, I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live um, in a manner worthy of the call you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another through love. Forgiveness, right? Not holding grudges, being willing to forgive those who have oh. hurt you. And if, it, 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 granted, if someone's really hurt you, it may be hard, but make an act of the will. Lord, I make an act of the will to forgive that person. That's right. And help me to work through the emotional process so that I can bring my emotions alongside and they will be docile to my intellect and will and, and know that I forgive. And for those who are still thinking, I thought you guys were going to talk a little bit about uh, the issue of Pope Francis's words on same-sex unions. We are after this first break. But for some, those of you that are brand new that came over from the Terry and Jesse show, this is what we do similar to what Jesse and Terry do, the first segment, Scripture, Sheen. But Mary's got a master's degree in biblical studies from John Paul II. And so we she does this every single week. And I want to encourage the people, they can go to podcasts from previous shows. Absolutely. And also every Tuesday night uh, here at Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina, she does a Bible study. So if you want to meet her that day, 7 p.m. every Tuesday night, if you're a local person in Southern California. Yeah. Let's continue on your exegesis on these scripture. So we, we have to treat one another with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another through love, striving to preserve the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Mm. One body, one spirit. You are also called to one hope of your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all. <coughs> Excuse me. And through all and in all. Mm -hmm. So we need to live a life worthy of our calling. And our calling is a calling of union with God. Mm. We're called to live in union with God. We're called to live in friendship with God. Intimate, personal friendship. Sign me up. An intimate, personal relationship exactly. where we are fully known and loved. And, and, and we fully know and love God because he fully reveals himself to us if we're willing to give up our sins. Sin darkens the intellect and weakens the will. So every time we sin, it makes it harder for God to reveal himself for, to us. So we want to give that up. And we want to live in union with God. That's what our calling is. And if we live in union with God, um, in the letter of John, we're told, don't tell me you love the God you don't see when you hate your neighbor. We have to love one another. And that means being willing to forgive. And we have to, all of these things here, read this letter to the Ephesians, and especially Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 for today. Read it, take five minutes, three or four times today. Read it over, think about it, ask the Lord to help it sink in. And in the Psalm, there's something very interesting here. It says, the Lord's are the earth in its fullness, mm. the world and those who dwell in it. He founded it upon the sea and established it upon the river. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? He whose hands are sinless, mm. whose heart is clean, who desires not what is vain. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a reward from God his Savior. Such is the race that seeks him, that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. And that's Psalm 24. Read the whole thing. But what is it, what is it saying here? The Lord's is the earth in its fullness. God is Lord, right. and he's still Lord. And we need to give up our sins. If we want to be close to the Lord he whose hands are sinless and whose heart is clean and desires not what is vain. We're not attached to the things of this world. Well so. said. When we come back, we'll finish up on our scripture readings. And then, don't forget, we haven't forgotten, we're going to talk about Pope Francis' words regarding same-sex unions. 
and some clarity will come from that. We'll be back with more on The Bible with the Barber. The Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we come to understand. According to St. Augustine, understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that you may believe, but believe that you may understand. May God grant us a strong living faith in Him and His divine plan of salvation and help us to believe so that we may understand. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment... Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, thank you for coming back to the Bible with the Barbers. My, my wife and I are chatting and saying, wow, we're going to get to this you know, issue of same-sex unions that Pope Francis talked about. But what's most important, more important than what the Holy Father said here, is the Word of God. Right. And I think the Holy Father would say that a hundred times over. Right. So let's finish up on this, what we call exegesis, from the Mass readings, and I want to encourage everyone who can't even get to daily Mass, you can get a missal. The readings are there on the yeah. Internet. Yeah. Read the daily yeah. meetings, readings every single day, even if you can't get to Mass. Absolutely. We need to do this. We need to be fed every day. Yes. You know, if, if you love someone, you want to spend time with them. God speaks yeah. to us through Amen. His Word. Now, remember, His Word is not first and foremost a book, okay? No. The Word of God is first and foremost the second person of the Blessed Trinity, His unbegotten son mm-hmm. who is god from all eternity Amen. and and he's present in the eucharist so he's there he's really there but but the scriptures are his word and 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 the the church tells us and has always taught us that every word of scripture reveals christ to us 
from the first word of Genesis to the last word of the book of Revelation, it's all about Christ. But my point here that, that we have to give up sin, and this isn't my point, this is God's point to us. In the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, in the Psalm, in the Gospel, we need to interpret the signs of our times. Mm-hmm. And what is the Lord always saying to us? Stop sinning. Stop offending me. I want to bless you. So accept my blessing. And again, that's sin in any manner, shape, or form. Okay? All of us are called to live a chaste life. Mm -hmm. That means to have control over our sexuality and use it according to God's plan. And what is God's plan for sexuality? In the beginning, God made them male and female, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. So there are things that are opposed to God's will, and it's evident in the scriptures. And one of those things is homosexual sexual activity. Now, Pope Francis, and I want to say, again, tying into Ephesians, how are we supposed to respond to people who have disordered attractions? Well, myself, I have a disordered attraction to hot fudge sundaes and chocolate, okay? And I want to eat them to the the detriment of my own body. But I have to practice self-control. And if I just give in to my taste buds and my emotions that say, well, these things give me satisfaction, it's going to destroy my health. That's opposed to God's will. Now, that's not a grave moral evil necessarily, but the deal is Pope Francis is telling us, be compassionate to people. And, and an example came to my mind as I was preparing for the show, and that was there's, there was a, a teenage boy who was killed by his classmates at a school, and I don't remember all the details of the story, mm. but because he was homosexual. Was that Christ-like actions? No. No. Is that what is that what Christ wants us to do? No. You're going to hell if you do this. I condemn you. He doesn't want us to do that to ourselves either. It's like, Lord, I'm a sinner. I have a disordered attachment to something of this earth or a, a, a wrong attachment to something good that you made, a disordered attraction to something that you made. I need to correct it. I need your grace, your mercy, your help. That's what Pope Francis is trying to teach us. Mary, can the, I jump in real quick? And I want to hear this. But you gave the analogy of the chocolate, but I think a better analogy would be a fornicator. Yeah. In other words, that's serious matter. Right. And not right. chocolate. So let's say I have a propensity to want to break my chastity as a married man, and I can't do that because that would be a serious sin of adultery, of adultery for me because I'm married. But if I wasn't married, like I'm an unmarried man, I can't be going out and having relations with other women. That's fornication. Right. And so I can't say, oh, uh, that's okay because, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And even homosexual people who have same-sex attraction, Mary said it, we're call, all called to chastity. Chastity for me is one woman, Mary Danielle. Yeah. Chastity for a unmarried man is not having sex with anyone. Right. So whether you are a heterosexual or homosexual, it's still wrong to have sex outside of marriage. Absolutely. And I um, shout out here to Joseph Chambra yeah. and other, you know, all of all of the people who are involved in courage who have homosexual attractions, but but are living a celibate life. Right. And they're doing the right thing 
And remember that the Holy Father, what was said here by the Holy Father is not a slap in the face to you. It's not, it's not condemning you for trying to live a chaste life. And it, it doesn't define you. What defines you is your relationship with Christ. Amen. We are called to live in union with Christ. And that's what our scripture makes it clear. And we do that by giving up our sins. And anytime we break a commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, which means no fornication, no sex outside of marriage, no sexual activity outside of marriage, no sexual intimacy outside of marriage. Anytime we break that commandment, we're separating ourselves from Christ. So for all of those who are trying to live a celibate, chaste life as whatever, as, as, as not having homosexual attraction, having homosexual attraction, whatever your you know problem is, whatever our major sin is, we still have to live according to the gospel. And we still have to give up our sins. Mm -hmm. So Pope Francis is trying to ask us to have compassion on people. And that's a good thing. But let's look at this statement because a lot of people are concerned. They're like, well, oh, wow, the church changed its teaching or the Pope said this. So it must be changing the church's teaching. And we want to look today at what Jesus established Mm -hmm. from a biblical perspective. Yes. And what does that mean for the teaching office of the Pope and for us? As, as Catholics living in this world and nonetheless taking to heart Pope Francis's call for us to have compassion on people and Absolutely. not be condemning them, but calling them to live a chaste life. And I also want to include Vatican I teachings. You know, we have Vatican II. I have a quote from Vatican I regarding Matthew chapter 5, verse 19 that I think applies to our situation. Absolutely. And and one of the things here, remember, this movie is a movie. It's a documentary. Oh, yeah, tell so me. the Pope speaking in this movie is not speaking as the Pope. And and by the way, exactly. LifeSite News, I believe it was, did an article that the, the, the day after this movie came out was shown in, in Italy. And in that article, they quote the man who made the movie. That's right. And this is very important. It's Take critical. note. Critical. This is absolutely critical. The producer of this movie said... I am not presenting Francis as the Pope. End of story. I know. He's not presenting. He said, I'm trying to present Francis as a man of compassion. Okay? So he's presenting Francis as an individual person who's not the Pope. And so when he speaks in this movie, what he's saying is not the teachings of the church, and it's not definitely not changing the teachings of it's the church. It's his personal opinion, though, regarding how to approach pastorally, uh, same-sex people. Exactly. It's his personal opinion. And, and, and in terms of that, we can, that's a discussion for another time. But the reality is, is what is the office of the papacy? Yeah. And, and how does this particular movie affect it? Or does it affect it? Right. And that's, let's understand, okay? Yeah. Jesus Christ chose 12 men. And he only founded one church. And remember, it's important to know the Old Testament because we need to know the background and the roots. St. Jerome said ignorance of Scripture, Old and New Testament, Mm -hmm. is ignorance of Christ. Because in the Old Testament, everything that Christ was going to do was concealed there, was hidden. And all of the Old Testament is only made manifest through the New Testament. So we only understand it. So you had the people of God in the Old Testament. You had one kahal, the one gathering of the people of God, the people of Israel who had a temple and they had a priesthood. So Jesus, when he founded his church, founded a temple, the church himself, 
but individual churches where we can come and worship him. That was the purpose of the temple was to come to worship God. And then he founded a college of bishops and he made one the head. And if you don't think it's so, it's, it's interesting because Jesus says to Peter, you are rock and on this rock I will build my church. And I realize there's all that controversy about, well, he was speaking in, 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 the, in, the, in the Gospels of Matthew, it's in Greek. So it's like, well, but that's in the Greek and the Greek is you are rock and um, he's calling Peter a little pebble, but on this rock, this big rock. Well, no, the reality is, is um, the word for rock was a feminine noun in, in Greek. So he couldn't say, he, couldn't, he didn't call Peter a feminine noun. You right. can't do that. He called, and, and he didn't do it. He didn't violate the law of that, of that Greek language. And, but he said it actually in Aramaic. And in Aramaic, you don't have two words. Because he says to Peter, you are kepha, and on this kepha. I will found my church. There's only one word. You're referring to Matthew 16, 16, correct? Right. And then again to John, in, in, the, in John, in the Gospel of John, where he calls Peter the rock in right. Aramaic, and that's John 1, 42. Mm-hmm. Simon is the rock. Right. He calls him rock when he sees him. You are the rock. And the, the rock that he's founding him is on is that I will found a church, and there will be a hierarchy in that church. There will be one bishop who is the head of all the bishops, and he has a jurisdiction, a primacy of jurisdiction, not just a primacy of honor. And this played out in the early church very, very clearly. But what's interesting in the Gospels is you have Peter is always mentioned first in every list of the apostles. Now, the other apostles are mentioned in different order. They're not always first. They're there. But they're not, there comes in different orders. Mm-hmm. But Peter's name is always first. Right. His name is always first. And then Peter speaks for the apostles in Matthew 18 <coughs> and Mark 8, 9, when Jesus says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And then all of the, the apostles give their different answers. And then he says, but who do you say that I am? The 12 that I have chosen to be my, now they didn't know at the time they were going to be as bishops, but and Peter speaks up. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because men didn't reveal this to you. My father revealed this. So it was the will of the father. He revealed, because he gave Peter that insight, he solidified that this is the one that is chosen. This is, you know, and of course, Jesus knows this. He's God. He, you know, this idea that Jesus was walking around not knowing who he was. Honey, you can't be God and not know who you are. That's just a total aside. Another show. But so, so Jesus appoints Peter to be the head of the apostles. Peter speaks on behalf of the apostles. Do you remember in the Acts of the Apostles when they have this controversy over the Gentiles coming into the church? Mm-hmm. Who does Jesus actually make a revelation to? Peter. He has, he has this, the, remember the sheet that came down out of heaven and there are animals on it of every kind? And he's saying, um, Peter, slaughter and eat. And Peter's like, wait a minute, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. Not going to do. And Jesus said, what I have made clean, don't you call unclean. Mm. And then the people from, after three times that happens, the people from Cornelius' house come to, to the door and knock and say, we need Peter to come and talk to us. 
And it's like, wait a minute. Peter's beginning to see the picture. Exactly. God made these people clean. Yep. God wants to reveal his truth, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And that revelation was made to Peter. And Peter was the one who baptizes the first Gentiles. He baptizes the people in Cornelius' household. Wow. Mary, we're going to take a quick break, but I want to remind everybody on the 7th of November, we have the uh, What Every Catholic Needs to Know series coming up. And it's going to be done virtually on a computer, on our iPhone app, also on our YouTube channel, the 7th of November. Uh, Scott Hahn, Tim Staples, Steve Ray, Jesse Romero. What Every Catholic Needs to Know About a Lot will be there. <laughs> Call 877-526-2151. Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Daniel, what a testimony, and I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back here. We're looking at the papacy and, and what does it mean? And Jesus had set up the papacy. Jesus set up his church. Now, remember, when Jesus set up his church, he didn't necessarily set up all the bureaucracy that we see in the church today. The courier? <laughs> yeah. He didn't set up that bureaucracy, but he did set up a hierarchy. Yeah. Just like in the Old Testament, there was a hierarchy in the temple, mm -hmm. the hierarchy of the, the, the head bishop 
and the other bishops working in union with him. What was the purpose of this? Jesus gave a revelation. God reveals himself to his people. And scripture is part of that revelation. But that revelation also includes sacred tradition. And then he gave an authoritative body of men who were be safeguarded. Jesus promised something. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail. Remember, he gives them the keys. I give to thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Does that mean that the Pope can do whatever he wants and say whatever he wants? No, that is everything in accordance to God's will. And that the church will not lead you away from the truths that Jesus Christ has taught. That when a Pope makes a pronouncement that's dogmatic and is for the whole church, he will not pronounce something that is against the will of God. He will not take you away. You know, it's interesting because in the history of the church, we have had popes who had personal, private opinions as a private theologian that were heretical. That's true. Okay. We had a pope, Vigilius, who conspired with the Empress Theodora to get the papacy. He wasn't even, he was a deacon, I think, at the time. And uh, uh, Theodora told him, if you will declare that Arianism is the true faith of the Catholic Church, that is, that Jesus Christ is neither God nor man, but that he's some kind of a third type of creature um, who, you know, some kind of a demigod, but not really man either, then I will, I'll see to it that you become Pope. And Vigilius is like, yeah, he was an ambitious man. He's like, sure, what, what difference does it make? Sign me up. I mean, 75, 70% of the bishops are already Arians. I yeah, mean, we're just siding you know, with the majority. We'll just go with the majority, not a problem. And so she sent him to Rome with her troops. And at that time, the clergy of Rome elected the Pope. And they, well, guess what? They elected Vigilius. But you know what his first act as Pope was to do? He wrote to Theodora and said, I can't do it. That's not the faith of the church. Hmm. The faith of the, chur- faith of the church is that Jesus Christ is truly God, truly man, truly the Son of God from all eternity, who took to himself a human nature, uh, two natures, one person, uh, without confusion, um, Oh, wait a minute. What? This isn't going the way I wanted. And so Theodora said to her troops, bring him back to Constantinople. We're putting him in jail. And he spent his entire papacy in jail. But he never changed the church teaching. Good story. And the Pope can't change what the church teaches. As a private theologian, he can make all kinds of pronouncements. That's why, you know, it's interesting. When when, um, Pope Benedict was Pope, he wrote a book called Jesus of Nazareth. Volumes. But you know what name is on that book? Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, because he says in that book, this is my um, private scripture scholarship exegesis. as a private yeah. Yeah. scripture scholar. This is my exegesis yeah. on the life of Christ. Right. I'm not making this as a pronouncement for the entire church. He had the, the, the courtesy to do that for all of us to say other, the, other scripture scholars can disagree with me because I'm not speaking as the Pope on behalf of the whole church. I'm speaking as a, so yes, the Pope can speak as a private theologian, as a private scripture scholar, and, and, and that, that, that's his personal opinion, his personal and that opinion. doesn't necessarily mean we have to consent to it, or if it's even the church teaching. Vatican, I want to get you your street, but there's a Vatican I document that Bishop Athanasius Snyder a cop piece. It's over on LifeSite News. You can read it yourself. But he quotes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, saying that every pope 
has to take very much to heart what the first Vatican Council proclaimed. Now, that was in 1870, just for your own records. Right. The Holy Spirit was not promised to the successors of Peter that by his revelation, meaning the Pope's revelation, that they might make known new doctrine. No, but that by his assistance, they might invariably keep the faithfully expound revelation. We call it the deposit of faith delivered through the apostles. This is on the dogmatic constitution on the church from Vatican I. So, so basically, we, we make this comment, the perennial teachings of the church. The Pope is to ensure the perennial teachings are guarded and safeguarded and carried on to the next generation. And so when you hear something, even if the, um, the Pope in his private you know, opinion on certain things, that's his private opinion. And Cardinal Mueller, another cardinal who was the prefect for the doctrine of the faith, speaks eight languages. I met him, actually, in Chicago. Very impressive. Man, he's a six-foot-four guy, but whoa. <laughs> but he says that the Pope's words on the civil unions are purely a private expression of his opinion, which every Catholic can and should freely contradict because the teachings of the Church, and we already went through this back in 2004, where the Holy Father, through uh, John Paul II, the great, uh, the, him and Benedict XVI, when he was the prefect, said that this could lead uh, in a bad way and that we, we can't recognize civil unions. Now, that wasn't a private opinion. This was a official document. So you see the difference? One's talking on a plane or a train and giving his opinion or a movie. Or you an know, interview. Uh, interviews. He's being yeah, spliced that, and, that's and, not, and patched together that's, in a movie. That's not on the same level of a document that's put up by the Congregation of the Faith endorsed by the vigor of Christ. You right. see the difference? Right. And and the, the reality is, is that marriage was made by God. Mm-hmm. And again, if you don't think so, look at Genesis. In the beginning, God made them. Male and female, he created them. Mm-hmm. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. So marriage is between one man and one woman. And Jesus Christ, you know, he said in the Old Testament, people were like, well, Moses allowed us to divorce. So why are you saying no divorce? And he said, because from the beginning, this was my father's will, that there would be no divorce, Mm -hmm. that children would be raised in a family, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, a mother and a father together, raising their children up for Jesus Christ for, for, because why, why does God hate divorce? Does it say in the Old Testament? Because I desire godly children. And when there's divorce in the family, the children get confused. And they actually get confused. If, if their parents are fighting, their parents are supposed to be an image of God, to, uh, an image of who God is. For the, he's the, first, the parents are the first image of who God is. And if the parents are fighting and bickering and divorcing and, and leaving each other, it's saying, well, I can't trust God. The children, and this isn't a conscious thing. It's on the emotional level. And by the way, children are only on the emotional level until they can begin to reason. And we're not exactly sure when they each the re- reach the age of reason and different children reach it at different ages. But you cannot allow divorce because it tears at the fabric of what God made, the unity of family. God made the family. And just another point, I mentioned a 2004 document. Uh, the document actually is from the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith taught respect for homosexual persons, which our catechism says that, 
cannot lead in any way to the approval of homosexual behavior or a legal recognition of homosexual unions. And this is the key. The common good requires that law recognize and promote and protect marriage marriage as the basis of family, the primary unit of society. And just a quick note, Mary, Pope Francis in this 2013 book called O Heaven and Earth, Pope Francis did not reject the possibility of civil unions outright, but did say that laws assimilating homosexual relationships to marriage are an anthropological regression. He said that in 13. And he expressed concern that if a same-sex couple are given adoption rights, that could affect the children. Every person needs, and this is what the Pope said, a male father and a female mother that can help them shape their identity. Do you see how important it is to have mom and dad? This has been for 5,000 years of recorded history. So it, it really is... Not, it's not. It's a no-brainer, really. It's what God made, and we need to not reject the laws of God. We need to make sure that we're living, and that doesn't mean it's easy. And the reality is, what does the Pope mean? An anthropological regression. Well, anthropology has to do with the study of man, right? That's right. That's right. And anthropological regression would mean that we're going backward. Mm-hmm. Man can act like an animal. He can do that. Oh, yeah. That's a regression, though. That's right. We are not animals. Men are different than animals. The animals aren't people, and people are not animals. Mm. People are made in the image and likeness of God. Man is made in the image and likeness of God. Go back and read Genesis. In his own image, he made them. Male and female, he created them. This is what God made. And disordered attractions come from sinfulness. And, and guess what? When Adam and Eve sinned, God's perfect paradise, God had made man in a state where he didn't have any disordered passions. Because God gave him a gift that was above and beyond his nature. It was called the gift of integration, Mm. where all of the faculties of his body were perfectly subject to his intellect that clearly saw that God was the good he needed to choose, not the created things of this world, that God was the good he needed to choose. And his will, which was made to choose the good, was clearly informed that it needed to choose God. So all the faculties of the body without effort were subject to that, that intellect and will, that intellect that clearly saw God as the good and that will that chose God freely and easily. Sin shattered all that. We lost that gift. That gift didn't belong to us. It wasn't ours by nature. It was a gift that was above and beyond our nature. Integration. Now we can ask God to restore integration within us so that we can be, but in the state that we live in, what we have is we have a body that's warring against our soul. Didn't, our soul is our intellect and will. Didn't just the other day St. Paul said, I'm willing to do the things I don't want to do. I'm doing those things. I don't want to do them, but I'm doing them. Yeah, the things the I things want that, to do, yeah. I don't do. Yeah, and know. the things I don't want to do, I do. You know? The effect of original sin. The effects of original sin. And we all live with it. We all have to live with it. Been we have there. to pray. Was it St. Paul said? He said, you know, I, I, I have to discipline my flesh. I have to discipline my flesh because otherwise I could fall away from Christ. So we, we need to discipline our flesh and we need to take into to, um, account everything that the scripture says and teaches us about man and who he is in the image and likeness of God. Wow. When we come back, our last segment, this went by fast. Wow. We'll come back and talk a little bit more with the Bible with the Barbers. 
Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. According to Pope St. John XXIII, it is not true that some human beings are by nature superior and others inferior. All human beings are equal in their natural dignity. May God help us to look upon everyone as a person created in His image and likeness and treat everyone the same without favoritism or prejudice. How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions, but what's important is that a baby is a baby, inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before, at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So welcome back here. Thank you for joining us on this Friday, and please like and share this program. If you're enjoying it, please share it with your friends and neighbors. And um, we want to explain a little bit about what infallibility is not. What it is and what it is not. Infallibility is, is Jesus Christ who left a sacred deposit of faith with his church, giving the Holy Spirit and guaranteeing that his church will not teach us falsely in matters of faith and morals in her official teachings. Okay. And there's the extraordinary exercise of infallibility. And there's an ordinary exercise of infallibility. The extraordinary or exercise of infallibility are, um, for instance, when the Pope speaks ex cathedra, um, also an extraordinary exercise, Exercise of infallibility is when the Pope and the bishops gather together in an ecumenical council that's been called by the Pope. That's an extraordinary exercise of infallibility. Yep. The ordinary exercise of infallibility is they have what, what, what has been called the rule of St. Vincent of Larenz, mm-hmm. L-E-R-E-N-S or N-Z. Anyway, um, and that is that what is taught by everyone always and everywhere so when the individual bishops are spread throughout their individual diocese in the world 
And in union, those bishops in union with the Holy Father maintain a given teaching on right. a dogmatic or moral issue, then that teaching becomes infallible. Exactly. And just for modern times, some exam- an example of that would be Humanae Vitae. Mm-hmm. When many theologians said, well, Humanae Vitae is just an encyclical letter. It's not infallible. Well, excuse me, the teachings in Humanae Vitae are infallible because they're the, t- the same teaching the church has always taught on the transmission of life, mm-hmm. that every marital act has to be open to the possibility of God bringing a life through that intimacy, okay? It's not saying that you have to have a baby every time you have a, a, um, conjugal intercourse. It's saying that you always have to be open. You can never do anything artificially to interfere with God's plan. Mm-hmm. You can't deliberately thwart the outcome. It's normal and natural that children come from conjugal union. That's what God made. So man is not supposed to divide what God made, love and life. That's in marriage, union and procreation. And so artificial contraceptives by their nature are intrinsically evil because by their nature, they divide what God made. They divide love and life. They divide union and procreation. So infallibility is that guarantee that the church will not lead us away from Christ or his sacred deposit of faith, as Terry quoted from Vatican I there, the deposit of faith are the, the, the truths that Jesus Christ revealed to his church through the scriptures, mm-hmm. through sacred tradition, and the magisterium is the official interpreter of those, okay? Right, right. Infallibility is not saying that the Pope knows everything about everything that needs to be known. You mean he doesn't know who's going to win the World Series, the Dodgers or the Marlins? No, he doesn't. He also doesn't know anything about global warming. Anything he says about global warming is not infallible. It has nothing to do with faith and morals. Science, history, economics, politics. He's not infallible in these matters. And when he speaks as a private theologian, he's not infallible. It also never said, and Jesus never said, that the Pope was without sin or would be, be without sin. As a matter of fact, in the scriptures, we have the example of Peter eating with Gentile converts. And then when some people from Jerusalem came who were Judaizers, remember the Judaizers wanted to make the new Gentile converts follow all the laws of the church, all the, excuse me, all the dietary laws of the Old Testament and the circumcision law. You have to be circumcised. You have to keep the dietary laws of the Old Testament. no. Those things went away. Those things were provisional, and they didn't, they didn't come in. They're not part of the, the new covenant, okay? We have the one sacrifice of Christ, and we don't have to have circumcision anymore because we have baptism, and Jesus made it evident in the vision to Peter in the Acts of the Apostles that the dietary laws no longer applied. But Peter, who had been eating with Gentiles, now when a group of people came from Jerusalem who were judaizers and wanted to impose those dietary laws on on the gentile converts peter separated himself paul was there and he said no peter what you're doing is wrong your actions are wrong now peter was the pope was he making an infallible statement no he was acting with duplicity and paul corrected him on it we're still sinners jesus christ didn't take away the fact that we're sinful just because a man becomes a priest or a bishop or the pope doesn't mean that he's, he, God's going to keep him from sinning. He's still a sinner. He still needs our prayers. And what, is, what does St. Paul tell us? Pray for those who are lead, raised up to lead the way. What did he say about himself? 
Pray for me that after having preached to others, I myself may not fall away. Are we praying for the Holy Father? Exactly. Are we sacrificing for him? Are we begging God to give us a Holy Father like the Holy Fathers we've had for the last 150 years who have taught the faith so clearly, so completely, so concisely, and have not wavered one iota? And yet, are we following that teaching? Or are we, as lay Catholics, saying, look, it's too hard to have a big family nowadays. It's too hard to be married to one person and stay married to that person. It's too hard to live a chaste life. Are we saying we can't follow the teachings of the church anymore? No, the Pope is not, he's not, God didn't take away his ability to sin. He can sin. He's he a still sin. has to go to confession. As a matter of fact, Mary, Amen. John Paul II went at least once a week and sometimes daily. That's right. That's right, St. John Paul II, and, and that's the, the example. That's why he said go to free, frequently go to confession. So what was said by the Holy Father in this movie is not a reason to leave the church. No. The Holy Father is not changing the teachings of the church. The teaching of the church remains the same. The sixth and the ninth commandment remain, remain intact. You mean there's no expiration date on that? Absolutely not. Good. We still have to live a chaste life. Yeah. Everyone, right. not just homosexuals. Right. Everyone. Everybody. Everyone has to live chastity according to their duties of their state in life. And Mary, my thought is, you don't put yourself in the temptation of sin. You know exactly. what I'm saying by that? Your occasion of sin. And that's why I, I believe, just common sense tells me, that civil unions of two men coming together, yeah, we, we want to give them, if they need, uh, uh, you know, we, we're trying to help them and be not, not yell at them and not throw them out of church. But we can't condone that. We have to say that if you're living with this man, I think it's presumptuous on us not to think that they're going to be having intimacy, which is not fruitful, which is offensive to God. And so the idea of saying, you know, these civil unions are good, I just can't see it because I know our fallen, our nature, and that, you know, they're not playing tiddlywinks, as I said on the Terry and Jesse show, in the evenings. You don't put two men who have homosexual tendencies to live together. You, right. need, to, you need to put them away from each other so that that occasion of sin is not there for them to act on it. Right, and, and there's, a further, there's a further sin of scandal if you were to allow this, even even if even if they were living a celibate life, yeah. then there's the possibility of scandal. For instance, I, I you know, you had female Catholic school teachers at times who would say, "Oh, I'm living with my longtime boyfriend," and I mean, saying this to junior high students, and they're like, "But we're living celibately." Yeah, right. And wait a minute, these are teenagers. You just scandalize them because whether you know it or not, whether they're not going to believe that you're living celibately. Why are you why are you publicizing to the world and especially to impressionable teenagers that you're living with someone you're not married to? And you know what's funny about that is some of those teenagers may have grown up and now they're living with someone they're not married to. And although they realize that what you said to them as a teenager was absolutely a bunch of crock and was at least scandalous if not untrue, they find themselves in the same situation and then they expect people to believe that they're living chastely. Mm. And it's like, wait a minute. You told your teacher that it was a bunch of crock and now you as an adult are living with someone that you're not married to and you expect everyone to believe you're living celibately. Um, 
we can cause scandal. And the Pope can cause scandal. He's a human being. He doesn't stop being human. But he will not promulgate error in matters of faith and morals. Jesus Christ promised this, okay? And if I can just give some scripture verses and catechism paragraphs about the perennial teachings of the Catholic Church protecting marriage and family. Absolutely. Thus, So here it comes. Regarding homosexual practices are among the grave sins that seriously violate chastity. Paragraph 2396. And are vehemently rejected by Holy Scripture. Genesis 19, verse 1 to 29. Romans chapter 1, 24 to 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 to 10. Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 10. The Catechism reminds us of the guilt of the Sodomites that says it cries to heaven. That's paragraph 1867. So those are some of the scriptural verses and the catechism verses. And again, we're not wanting to be mean to anyone, but out of love, we need to share that with people who have same-sex attraction because we want to give them the opportunity uh, to live a chaste life. Then we got to tell them the truth in charity. Right. Chastity is not an imprisonment. Chastity is sexual self-control. That is that I can say no to the desires of my body. And now that makes me free. And the reality is, is we love the sinner, but we hate the sin. God hates sin. Why does God hate sin? Because it degrades us. What was that? What the Holy Father said about the, the, uh, to try and recognize this would be an anthropological regression. That's right. That means that we're becoming imprisoned to sin. And when we become imprisoned to sin, we become like animals. So we need to live according to the truths that God has revealed about us being made in God's image as human beings. And you know, Mary, what happens when you don't live according to that? We have a story here at LifeSite News where rock legend Stevie Nicks says, without my abortion, there would have been no Fleetwood Mac. Well, Fleetwood Mac is a very popular uh, music group back in, the 70s. Uh, back in the 70s. But you see how distorted she got. There's no way, she said, that I could have had these children working as hard as we work consistently. And I knew that the music we were going to bring the world was going to heal so many people's hearts and make people so happy. You see how they can get just, you know, they're just totally uh, mixed up. We have the wrong priorities. And that's why we have to clearly teach what the Catholic Church teaches, because ambiguity breeds that. Right. We need we need the eternal truths that God gave us. And so um, we want to live in the freedom of the children of God. Mm. We want to live as the image and likeness of God that we are. And we want to pray for our Holy Father and pray for those who suffer from same-sex attraction Amen. and pray for all of us who suffer from attraction to sin. You yeah. know, we all have a sin. Remember what our lady to. said at Fatima, souls are going to hell because there's no one there to pray and, and make sacrifice. sacrifices. Hey, thanks again for joining us, Bible with the Barbers. If this was your first time, thank you. Check us out. Like us on your Facebook, then on YouTube. Like us so that you get notices for these shows. We want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Go to our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, or call us, 877-526-2151. Share it with your friends. Invite your friends and, and family to listen and your church groups. And we'll see you again. Please, God. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests. Oh, my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, Grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance 
and return to thee O Lord Lord give us holy priests thou thyself maintain them in holiness O divine and great high priest may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares which are continually being set for the souls of priests may the power of thy mercy O Lord shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests for thou canst do all things amen virgin most powerful pray for us virgin most powerful radio sharing the gospel with clarity and charity